0: Hello, everybody. Oh, she did that again. Uh, Welcome (laughs) to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I am Joe Patrice, and the voice you heard was Catherine Vino. We're from Above the Law, and we are here to talk about some week's news in law. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: It is kind of what we do here.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's some of what we do here. Yeah, the rest
1: of it, I think, is Disney conversations.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, what's up with Disney?
1: So they've started their nighttime spectaculars
0: Ooh. starting last
1: night, so over the weekend. Um, yeah, so it's very exciting, I feel like.
0: What, what, what do you mean by nighttime spectaculars? Like mm-hmm. the fireworks and yeah. stuff? or the, Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: the fireworks, mm-hmm. which had been canceled throughout the entirety of COVID. Disney was taking a much more aggressive stance than the state of Florida. That sounds about which, right. Which is accurate. Um, <laughs> so, you know, things are slowly returning to normal, so it looks like you're... Uh, stance on our previous podcast about attending in person conferences at the end of the summer is right.
0: I'm I'm stoked for this. I'm like I am like it's late August. I feel yeah. like that's enough time, and I'm spending. Uh, I mean, an inordinate amount of time looking like, ooh, what restaurants do they have by where I'm going to be? Yeah, like, yeah.
1: I, I mean i I feel I feel pretty good about where we are. Yeah. Maybe it's just I'm itching to do something again, but I I spent. My own amount of time trying to find the perfect I'm um, COVID vaccinated pin that I can wear on all my my outfits. You're ridiculous. Yes, but yeah. also COVID vaccinated. So that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Both those things can be true.
0: I got my passport. My, you did. Uh, my oh, I need to do New that. New York passport. Yeah. 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 Some states, of course, are banning passports because I I don't know why they don't need to. They just need to. You know, if they want to do that, they could just not, not create them. Yeah. They don't need to. But I mean, because it's
1: performative, making a
0: performative show is about all we have out of these states these days.
1: Well, I also think that this is something I know you've talked about and written about in the past, but that the far right of the political conversation is concerned less with governing than in performance. Uh, And this is a way to to do that. Right. It's not important to actually create or to to make a policy as it is to make a bold stance that they can, you know, fundraise off of.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also heard this weekend uh, that Iowa is uh, trying to trumpet itself as we have the fewest COVID restrictions of any state. Like that's some sort of a yeah.
1: I'm rolling my eyes so hard right
0: now. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a thing, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's, again, it's not about governing; it's about being able to fundraise off of a cheap slogan, and that's yeah. that's further ev.
0: Yeah. We can actually transition to a conversation about that after this break, but we can transition to a conversation about performance and uh, the right-wing politics. But first, let's hear from our folks at Lexicon. Okay, so uh, mm-hmm. the shadow docket, which sounds a lot cooler than it is. It's actually just kind of a horrible way in which the Supreme Court can uh, mess up your life without you realizing it and without <laughs> any briefing. The shadow docket is in full play. And uh, what they do over the weekend, the Supreme Court?
1: No, no. My story was about the new study that came out that said that this is the most religious court in terms of their briefing of anyone since World War II.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting. And here's how we know it. <laughs> because over the weekend, they... <laughs> over the weekend, a 6-3 majority of the court decided, without any briefing at all, to strike down COVID restrictions oh, yes. in California, yes, yes, yes. saying, well, we think that because churches, you don't get to have pandemic rules.
1: Right, which is not anything... I mean, I think that the line that I read about that was that the oldest case that is cited is a 2020 case. Yeah, and I was like, is this Starry Decisis? <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
0: Yeah, I I feel as though as Justice Kagan wrote the who is not you know the the far left of the court by any stretch no, of the imagination, no, no, no. but is very much the.
1: Uh, I mean, a She's very been forced go- into that a role. very good writer. She's yeah, she she knows how to wield that pen.
0: The closing sentence is, because the majority continues to disregard law and facts alike, <laughs> I, d- I respectfully dissent. Uh, it it is it is some fire. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's a troubling decision. Uh, it seems to get rid of, you know, at least 20 some odd years worth of religious freedom jurisprudence. I mm-hmm. mean, it seems to overturn Smith, but I don't know. It is a really troubling decision, and this now transitions to this report you want right, to talk
1: right, about. Right, right, Sorry. <laughs> That's all no, we fair We're talking enough. about a different study, a different—
0: uh, We're very well organized today.
1: Listen, you know, this is why you tune in. But there is a study published in the Supreme Court Review that talks about the courts that have had the most, the highest percentage of uh, decisions for the religious party uh, in the Supreme Court. And the current court, not just the current, uh, under Chief Justice Roberts, they have supported religion in 81.3% of the cases. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I mean, for a little of historical context, uh, under Chief Justice Warren, it was... 45.5% 45.5% of the cases. Under Berger, it was 51.4% of the cases. And under Rehnquist, it was 58.1%. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's changed tremendously under the Roberts Court is that in those other previous decisions, it tended to be religious minorities that were being protected. Yep. Whereas under the Roberts Court, it has been the majority religion, right? It's been Christians. It's yeah. not been, you know, folks who are the minority. So it's yeah. very different. So... You know, if you've gotten, if you feel like the Supreme Court has become more religious and more literally Christian, you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just you.
0: I'm going to clarify one thing uh, out of fairness. Uh, while mm-hmm. only three justices joined Kagan's dissenting opinion here, mm-hmm. technically the the opinion, the curiam opinion notes that Roberts would have also denied the application. So I guess technically it's a 5-4. But sure. Roberts would not join the dissent, so... You know, take that well, for what right. it's
1: worth. Right, and you know, listen. As the Just as the chief Just, as the chief justice, though, you wind up getting a lot of the things that happen under your watch. You know, historically, you'll get painted with. Yeah, it well, will forever be known as the Roberts Court. Yeah,
0: no, so. I mean that's true. So, what else have we been up to? I guess.
1: I mean, you've been writing a lot about law schools recently.
0: I have, I have, I have. It's one of those situations where, like, law school's a fun thing to talk about because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's before you become a lawyer and things change. And, like, if you went to law school, you went there to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit Trustnota.com slash legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply.
1: That was smooth.
0: Yeah. Nota powered by MT Bank. Worked it right in there, you like sure in did. a logical way. You yeah. did.
1: You did a good job. Okay. Yeah. So now let's talk about Yale Law School.
0: Oh, let's. Because there's some talk controversy
1: about... going on there. And it's um oh, Is there? It's, it's I... some folks that are used to controversy, actually.
0: Yeah. So Every year or so, we have a new story about Tiger Mom, Amy Chua, and mm-hmm. Jed Rubenfeld, her husband. Uh, right, both
1: professors at Yale Law School. Both
0: professors at Yale Law School.
1: Well, Jed is currently suspended.
0: Oh, interesting. Why
1: mm-hmm. Why is he suspended? There was a sexual harassment investigation.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the conclusion of that investigation was...
1: Two-year suspension.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that's where we sit. Uh, not, you know, firing somebody because... I mean why would an academic institution with any responsibility to its students do something like that but <laughs> but they they did they did a suspension and that also came I think in, that came right after uh they both made headlines as enablers of the Brett Kavanaugh mm-hmm, career mm-hmm. where their daughter uh the you know unwitting social experiment behind the book uh <laughs> but was also a Kavanaugh clerk but yeah no they 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 came out and did that, although right, there were because, reports at the time. Right. Yeah. Well,
1: uh, part of it is because uh, Amy Chua was the faculty member that headed up Yale's clerkship program. So she was very involved, by all reports, uh, she was very involved in getting Yale students the clerkships, which are obviously kind of that uh, little checkmark, little brass ring at the end of your academic career in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And in that role, she was she had a lot of intel about what it's like to clerk at various high profile judges chambers, yeah, so she used to be in charge of that program, but I think you know why she's not anymore,
0: yeah, so uh part of the apparently part of the settlement after mm-hmm. you know they made headlines as enablers, and you know there were comments at the time that she was privately telling, clerks you know you have to look at have a, a certain, certain way lo- to gr- be women have to have a certain look to be a Kavanaugh person again yeah, you mm-hmm. know sort of things that yeah. didn't seem particularly shocking as we heard more testimony anyway as part of Rubenfeld's suspension uh, apparently there was also a secret side suspension for Chua she would still teach but she was told not to have any small groups not to be on the clerkship committee anymore mm-hmm. and to pay a financial penalty uh Apparently. Although the
1: amount is not known, the
0: amount is not known. Right. Anyway, so all of that happened, and uh, then the school reversed course. Weirdly, I'm not really. Although this right, well, whole the,
1: the school has said that they they won't comment on employment matters, and right, so but, but they've been kind of tight. But they
0: reversed course and gave her a small group, despite this mm-hmm. agreement. Which you know, I'm not. Like, you don't want to blame the. It's not even a victim. You don't want to blame the third party, but out of all of this, Yale's administration doesn't look – well, it looks a little bit feckless. Anyway, so they reversed themselves, gave her this small group, and then uh, she, according to Yale apparently, continued to breach all of the terms of this settlement agreement and to continue – Bringing students over to the house where the right, like that was suspended a professor for sexual right. harassment is, and that was
1: a specific term of yeah. the according to the Yale Daily News that did um, the initial reporting on this. One of the initial terms was that uh, Amy Chiu would no longer socialize with students, yeah, and apparently continued to do so.
0: Yeah, so uh, so
1: she's been stripped of her those small groups, Those small groups, but
0: still still able to be a professor and everything, mm-hmm. just stripped of that small group. And rather than take this relatively minor punishment uh, in stride, she has pushed back. She sent us a letter that she had sent all of her colleagues mm-hmm. uh, denying everything. And uh, I got to say, after I put that letter up, we started hearing from a lot of alums.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who take a very different take. Yeah. You know,
0: it, it really is like, I mean, discretion being the better part of valor or don't fuck around and don't find out, whatever it is. (laughs) Like, I really get the sense from some of these alum tipsters that are writing us that Mm -hmm. some of them were upset just generally at the situation, but some of them are expressing they probably wouldn't have come forward but for this letter trying to defend herself. And it it was that that triggered them like, oh, no, 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 (laughs) you don't get to do this.
1: Right. And and, yeah, I mean, I think that Chua taking this very public stance about things that happened uh, makes folks respond when they have personal information that runs contrary to some of the public statements that have been made. So, uh, yeah, there's been a deep well of response. And if you are a Yale Law School alumni and have some information yeah, you want to share, know. tips at AboveTheLaw.com. Yeah,
0: and we're not, uh, you know, some are people.
1: Extremely confidential.
0: Yeah, totally confidential. Some people don't want their stories out there. Right. but They just wanted us to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are here. It all here, kind of
1: provides context.
0: And, and li- listen, we're here to listen even if right. we can't do anything with it. Like, mm-hmm. you are being heard. Right. Anyway. And it's not just us too. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I saw Leah Litman posted a statement from an alum on mm-hmm. Twitter. Uh, Courtney Milan's been saying some stuff like uh, other folks are being contacted by Yale alums about this. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a thing.
1: Yeah, and you know the other kind of part of this, and you, you mentioned Courtney Milan, and they've obviously been um, other. Uh, sexual harassment scandals particularly in the federal judiciary Uh, you don't say (laughs) I I, I do I do say Uh, but but I think that you know keeping aware of what's going on and making sure that you know that's why I constantly scream about the fact that disgraced former retired judge Kaczynski tries to you know Put himself back into the spotlight. There's a reason why that's constantly a thorn in my side, and every time I see it, I make a big deal about it because you know keeping the conversation on the things that happened and the and the not the people who are trying to rehabilitate their their image and trying to get back into the sort of the good graces of the the legal community, uh, I I think is much more important. So we at Above the Law always find that to be a very compelling story. Yeah. It's a deep source of frustration for us, I think, kind of seeing what's going on in, in sort of the big picture.
0: I mean, we're talking about Yale. I mean, that, this is obviously a highly ranked law school, but it's also one that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily, um, well, you, you, know, you go to Yale to become president of a small country, not to <laughs> be a lawyer. But, you know, some people, I, I'm sure there are some Yale people who come out of there and become transactional lawyers and You got to wonder if they're in the big law world, they have questions, and some of those questions might be, how have law firms weathered previous economic downturns to come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn, lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again.
1: Well, that's a really good transition, actually, to one of the other big stories of the Mm. week, which is the kind of intersection of federal clerkships and big law. Interesting. Which is that Jones Day announced that I think it was nine former clerks that they were hiring in this latest round, um, which is quite a few. Um, You know, Jones Day gets a lot of those uh, high profile clerks coming to them because they offer very large bonuses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So money is certainly a part of it. But, yeah, I think it actually includes three former Ginsburg clerks as well, mm. which is very much the opposite of uh
0: What we think of ideologically, when, we think, yeah. when, when we think of Jones Day, that is the opposite. Although, you know, I mean, they've had – they have some Ginsburg folks
1: yeah. in and, and, the and,
0: offices DC right now. Yeah. yeah
1: And they definitely have other uh, other folks there. And indeed, some of them have uh, been very vocal in criticizing the firm yeah. when they've made headlines At least for what supporting. We hear, yeah. Well, th- there were some stories about yeah. former Ginsburg clerks who took a stand against the firm's uh, positions on on various uh, political matters in the last uh, year or so. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Part of it's like, well, if you decide to go to Jones Day this is what you have to deal with and i think yep. that, that that is a reality if you're making a decision whether it be financial or because of the legal practice or whatever uh, if you're making a decision to practice at jones day there's a lot of baggage that goes along with that and i think you have to be ready you have to be ready and aware that that is part that should be part of your calculus when you're making a decision about where to go
0: yeah Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that's true. I really do wonder, uh, put aside the Supreme Court clerkships, which is obviously the Mm -hmm. the big brass ring, but I I have said this before, I do think that we're, we've not quite turned a corner, but I do think we're starting to see firms just rethink what the value of a clerkship is to Mm -hmm. the extent that it may be with judges who are, you know, a little bit sus. Um, <laughs> the, these judges who are uh,
1: listen—if you've clerked for a judge that has been rated unqualified right. by the ABA—that th- yeah, how going valuable to, is that clerkship? Well, it's going to read different yeah. than for a highly respected jurist.
0: A- and the problem is, for years, it didn't read different. These mm-hmm. firms just said, "Oh, clerkship, clerkship check. What circuit? Bang!" You know, yeah. like that was the checkmark. But yeah. I think I think we're starting to see a more nuanced and you know
1: at the very least we should right just
0: sit there and say like oh yeah no Mm -hmm. you learned at the knee of a judge who couldn't figure out how to get ABA qualified feel like this isn't really valuable or a
1: judge that was no more experienced than an associate, because yeah. that's <laughs> that literal was, like, associates. Literal associates got are becoming federal, federal, federal clerkships under this. Federal judges, yeah, yeah, uh, or federal judgeships, right? right. And so yeah. you know, the folks, it's it's a different calculus, and I think that firms who are evaluating potential, you know, laterals need to be looking at this. Yeah, yeah I think that that's very true.
0: No, I mean, we, we really do need to do a better job as a profession, mm-hmm. and I I do see some firms starting to figure this out, but we need to do a better job as a profession of having a list of like. Clerking with these judges, you know, may as well just not different. clerk. Yeah. Maybe, maybe try again next time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and, but I mean, counter is right that the folks who are doing those clerkships are probably or potentially going into otherwise politicized roles. And so just it is I what mean, it is kind of. Ass
0: law needs professors. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Yes, the Antonin Scalia School of Law.
0: Yes, correct. Uh, I guess if if any listener was unfamiliar with ass law, that is uh, what it is.
1: Well, you know, you're of a certain age, so things that seemed really recent to you actually were enough years ago that not, not all of our listeners may have been clued in.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Do I have a shots fire sound effect? <laughs> yes, that's what I just heard. I do not.
1: but uh... good, That's good news for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we are out of things to talk about. Aren't yeah, we? well, I mean, yeah.
1: part of the problem, well, not a problem, but one of the bigger stories that has continued this past week is the same the story. The bonus. Yeah, we yeah, can't we've do it about again. have been it for a month. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm tired of writing about them. You're tired of probably listening about them. But if you're at a firm that has not yet announced spring bonuses, you are very eagerly awaiting. Every announcement that puts additional pressure on your firm, right, to make similar announcements. So I understand there's like a there's a transparency value to yeah. for above the law continuing to report on every single firm that makes the bonus announcements. And listen, big law transparency is something I feel very strongly about. And above the law has recently released a big law transparency project so you can kind of get one location for all of like the nitty gritty details about the big law firms. It's currently at the top fifty. We're looking to expand it before the end of the year but the point is transparency matters it makes a big deal to people who are making decisions about what firm to go to particularly folks who have multiple offers so yeah this is something we will continue to write about but if you have already cast your check or you're about or you know you're on track to get yours it's it's less important to you than it was a couple weeks ago
0: yeah well uh yeah okay so we should wrap this up we are uh Another week. Yeah. In the books. Yeah. Another one in the books. If you are not already subscribed to the show, you should be. You can do that. So you get new episodes when they come down. You should give a review. Stars write something shows engagement. People then see it. And uh, we can dupe other legal interested audience members into uh, being fans of this show. Uh, you should be reading above the law. As always, you should follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. Oh, you also host a show called The Jabot, which everyone should check out.
1: Yes, please.
0: Yeah, and had a really interesting interview with uh, mm-hmm. our friend Anjali uh, about yeah. yeah, color
1: of creatorship about the way. Uh, critical race theory and intellectual property law, which are not necessarily two interests, I would have thought, intersect tremendously. But then I read a book about it and wow, it does. (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, So
0: check out that interview and that book. I also do the, uh, I do a weekly clubhouse at 1230 on Wednesdays, I think, or 12. I can't remember. It's it, it, it's difficult. I'll, I'll be there. Uh, and then we also do legal tech trending news at the end of the week, talking about legal technology. Also, check out all of the Legal Talk Network's various universe of shows. And uh, thanks to Nota by MNT Bank, Lexicon, and uh, LexisNexis Interaction for sponsoring. And I think that's everything, right? Peace. Cool. Bye.